universe. What's up, everybody? We are live, and I will get into my intro in just a moment. We'll see. Mike will be back in any second. He, he just rolled in from a, a road trip, but I can hear the beautiful sounds of outdoor life coming from his microphone. How's everyone doing out there? It's a beautiful Sunday evening here. Please do us a solid. Hit the like button. Hit the share button. If you're listening to this after the fact and it's not live, thank you for being here in whatever space and time you are. And I think I'm going to go ahead and just chat with you guys in the chat while we hang out, while Mike is getting himself refreshed and ready. Just came off of a massive road trip and a mini road trip. He's just always on the road. He's a road dude. Um, One thing I'm going to do, actually, you know what? This is a good idea. Before we start the show proper, this is something I wanted to do, and now there's a perfect time slot for it. What Mike and I have talked a lot about the I Ching in the past. So I'm going to throw some coins and we're going to get an I Ching hexagram. And we're going to see how that relates throughout the course of this podcast episode. So with I Ching, you can throw three coins six times and find the hexagram that correlates to that. Here we go. So first we got a dash line and another dash. Yeah, I'm repping my Susquehanna Alchemy t-shirt. Actually, so is Michael. Funny enough. All right. A solid line. And a solid line. Two more to go. <laughs> hey, buddy. All right. <laughs> he's here. He's ready. He's got a light. I was just throwing some eaching coins while you, know, are, you, found, are we, while you found yourself. Uh, are we on? We are on, my man. Right, so yeah. I'm going to go ahead. You know, that was like a, um, a first start. And now we're going to do a... A start start because I have an introduction for you and I did just get a hexagram for us too. So we'll see how that relates. Okay. All right. So pretend like the stream just started. Here we go. Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Interverse with me, your host, Chance. 
The word synchro mystic has become a staple descriptor for many of my favorite podcasters and researchers in recent years. And my own show is no exception. I sometimes forget when throwing that word around that maybe not everyone in the room is hip to our slang, but certainly everyone has experienced the phenomenon that synchro mysticism attempts to invoke. From the little things, like when you bring up someone in conversation and that person texts or calls you at the same moment, to bigger stuff like that time Carl Jung was listening to a patient tell him about a dream with a scarab in it, while at the same moment a scarab beetle appeared in his window. Synchromysticism has been described as part artistic practice, part spiritual or metaphysical system, part conspiracy culture. And all these components are true. It seems that at the intersection of curiosity and creativity, we can somehow crack the windows into a more pleuromic level of existence. And the higher self that runs this crazy show we call life can peek at you through the partially parted veil of consciousness. And while he may not be the father of synchromysticism as he didn't coin the phrase, tonight's returning guest, Mike Wan, could certainly be considered its uncle. A, Mike who a man who continually finds ways to slip past the electrified fences of the current cultural matrix and into the green forests of many other worlds, Michael Wan is well known as the Susquehanna sage and a true alchemist in the art of synchromystic storytelling. Whether he's divining from the stars above or revealing the macro psychological weather patterns via the stars of the silver screen, Uncle Mike is like a feather fired from the bow of wisdom, which just always seems to hit on something nobody else quite noticed. As I was blessed last month to receive Mike and his wonderful partner for a visit in person, including a demo of his famed astrological starboard, our brief interaction was but a stepping stone at the end of a much longer journey, a 33-night cross-country trip that inspired some truly unique epiphanies and insights, some of which we aim to revivify for tonight's conversation. So if you like Mike and you want more, make sure you're subscribed to Susquehanna Alchemy on YouTube and your favorite podcast playing RSS feed app and check out Susquehanna Alchemy on Instagram if you're into that. And now it's time to get into it with the wandering rewilder of consciousness and Susquehanna synchronicity sleuth himself, Mike Wan. Welcome back to Interverse, buddy. I'm so glad we're doing this. Chance, I mean, I got to take my hat off. That was such a flattering introduction. You're good at that. Uh, thank you very much. It's um, it's fun to be here because it's been a long time since one that I've I've been a guest on a on a, a podcast for a while, and two, um, it's been a real long time since I've been on your show. And three, I got to see you in person and something magical happens when 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 uh, uh, digital relationships jump into a physical relationship. So now when I see you, like I'm like, you don't look like that. I used to think you look different. Like what I would see you just looking at seeing you just on the <laughs> screen here. So now I know what you look like in real life. And so now it's different. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what's going to unfold in our conversation but yeah me too man and already there's a synchronicity right off the bat while uh you were finding your way back here i threw some coins to get a hexagram as we've okay. done that in the past and it's always been a fun aspect of our conversation we're both eching guys we got the same deck and everything and believe it or not folks i got 33 <laughs> and that's the number that's in the title <laughs> So is 33 retreat? Is my memory correct? 
Yeah, it's about letting go, withdrawal, walking away from that which doesn't serve you in the right timing. Okay, so let's let's uh, let's go back to that throughout this conversation tonight, specifically the letting go aspect and the right timing. Um, that's what's really kind of resonating uh, immediately with me from from that card. And then also thinking about what, at least in my mind, what I think we're going to discuss in our conversation tonight. So so we'll keep going back to that, because those are themes which which had sh- have shown themselves over and over uh, in my experience over the last 33 days. Well, even more so, I guess, like the 33 days, that was that was two weeks ago because we just got back from Maine and that we we're there for 10 days. So the, the whole summer has been kind of like that for for me and Kristen. Yeah, dude. I mean, we could start from further back than that in terms of how long it's been since you were on the show. Nice T-shirt, dude. Oh, no, is this funny that we both have on the same shirt? Like it looks like we're twits. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Can we begin with this? Um you talked a little bit about the term synchromysticism, synchromistic, and I, and maybe a little bit of definition, like my definition of that, or like how I like to use that, or how how it ties into, you know, what what it is. My approach. Go for it, man. This is your rodeo. So, so you um, you definitely like doubled down on the synchronicity aspect of the term synchromysticism. But uh, the mysticism, I think, is a really, really big part of it, particularly in how I'm going to weave some of these tales together. And so the mysticism refers to uh, a general um, foundational viewpoint of, uh, you know, this is just all one big ball of wax. Like there's nothing which is not part of the big ball of wax, like everything in life is all part of the same whole. That's like kind of the mystic perspective. Everything is everything. Everything is everything. Exactly. There's nothing which is, there's not like, okay, everything, this is everything, but that one little, that molecule over there, that's separate. That's not part of it. No, it's an understanding and an approach where you, you really grasp that. And then the synchronicity aspect is like, well, if that's the truth, you know, that's just kind of mysticism. Like if you want to define mysticism or mystic is is an understanding of the interconnectedness of all of life and all of reality. But then utilizing synchronicity or, or you know, I, I guess like the, the, the common definition would be a meaningful co- coincidence as as compass as a compass in order to navigate reality. And so that's what synchromysticism means to me is like, you know, you're coming through your life with a mystic approach, but you're specifically like you're, you're going through life understanding that that these seeing the synchronicities, looking for them and seeing them as guideposts is a way to navigate this whole sort of experience. And then my particular flavor of it is 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 twofold. One is is always going to be popular culture. You know, nowadays we're, um, you know. If, if we're, we're so influenced by popular culture, you know, movies and music is 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 so deep within the collective consciousness and and it can't be separate. Again, that's part of the perspective, not saying like, oh, well, you know, Hollywood bullshit, it's Hollywood bullshit. It's the propaganda, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, there's a truth to that. But then it's also part of it, too. So so you can find the truth in like the the pop culture, which to me is a lot of fun. You know, I'm a byproduct of the 80s. And so so utilizing pop culture, but then also, you know, 
seeing myself as as a key player in the story. And, and I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm uh, you know, self-focused in a bad way. I, I encourage everyone to do this. Like, you know, you're the main star in your movie. So these, you know, you, you want to look for your interconnections, your interconnections, your, your synchronicities with all of the stuff around you. And then just kind of like diving headfirst into the unfolding of, of your life's journey. And then, you know, if if you like to tell stories about it and that's why we're here today i suppose yeah man and you know actually where i found that quote that i put in there about synchromysticism having the components of a spiritual or metaphysical system an artistic practice and a conspiracy culture i think that that was actually really apt even though i found it on wikipedia of all places because one of the things that kickstarts the synchronicity in your life more than any other thing you can do is to create get creative for its own sake without even needing a goal behind it that will generate synchronicities and then the other side of it is if you're willing to entertain the notion that even without them knowing it people who create stuff drop truth in those creations then that is sort of a conspiratorial lens but you can get so much mileage out of that uh, that particular lens. It's ridiculous, especially with movies. So, so can can I re- can I reflect back on that? Um, first thing is like everyone throws Wikipedia under the bus, and I think that's ridiculous. Wikipedia is one of the greatest resources, but you need to know what Wikipedia is. Like you you take it for what it is. Um, so, so I love Wikipedia, like as a researcher, like that's one of my, my primary, uh, sources or like where I begin a lot of the resources or, or research, not necessarily as a primary source, but you have to realize like what Wikipedia is. And often time, often when you know that it's a propagandized sort of message, which is being put out on Wikipedia, you're like, well, okay, I know that this is the message, which is meant to be dropped into the collective consciousness. So, so Wikipedia is great. And it's just so easy to jump so quickly from topic to topic. Um, the, the, the second thing I, I wanted to point out though, was the conspiratorial element and, um, I love conspiracy. And I think that for, for me, you know, someone who's been really, really deep in conspiracy, uh, both as a researcher and then also a um, uh, also as a uh, um, um, I'm sorry, I saw that from from Dylan, one of my uh, one of my, my favorite people to follow, my favorite researchers out there. Um, I saw that something popped up from him. So it uh made me lose my train of thought um, yeah, i'll be i'll be careful about putting comments on screen he was just saying <laughs> ricky is dope if you're looking for the things the status quo has no idea why they'd fit into the big picture oh it, it, exactly like it's, it's it's such a great tool but conspiracy to me is like it is part of of the training program everyone needs to go through to understanding the the nature of our realm. Like we live like it's a mystery. Like that's the first thing. If you're really going to be honest, like the big picture is like we don't know. Like where where is this? Like what you know, what is Earth? What's space? Like no one can answer those questions for certain. There's all sorts of answers to it. But if you're being honest, you have to admit that there's a mystery. And then if you're saying if you're honest that there's a mystery, that means there's always something which we don't know or we can't know for certain. 
And so to me, what's important is being able to identify what you can know for certain, what you can know with like a little bit of 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 accuracy and, and what, you know, this could be total bullshit or not. Um, so when you go when you begin to understand the nature of our reality, you realize that the nature of our reality, this mystery is it is a self-fulfilling prophecy reality. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy reality. Like that's just how it works. And it's down. It, it comes down to our beliefs. And the hardest thing about beliefs is what a real belief is. You don't know you hold it. By definition, you don't know your beliefs because you think it's true. Like it's true for me. It's true for all of us. We can begin to understand our reality or ourselves by what our lives bring us. But nonetheless, the point I'm trying to make is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy realm. And so that means that what we're holding as our beliefs are ultimately come down to narratives, to stories. This is how it is. And so conspiracy, when someone begins to, to become introduced into the idea of conspiracy, what they're actually having is they're learning how narratives change reality and change their perception. Because if you think like a certain story, a certain history has been the way it is because you've, you've been told that your entire life and then whatever your first conspiracy w- uh, may be, and you're like, oh my God, like I can't believe I, like it was this, like I thought it was this, but really what happened was that, and I got to go and tell everyone. What you're beginning to, to do is, is see how narratives become so flexible in 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 our mind, in our inner world, and how that meets the outer world. And then as that becomes more of a skill set, like, hold, hold on, like, you know, if this is a self-fulfilling prophecy realm, and if these these self-fulfilling prophecies are ultimately stories, like, like, this is how I change stories. Like, to me, that's why conspiracy is so important, is like, it really treat, change, or trains the mind to begin to look at narratives, to question narratives, to see how narratives can literally change like experiential reality um, to extreme degrees. You know, I'm always trying to push like how far can that can that go and change? Um, So with that being said, like working with synchro mysticism and particularly uh, as a it works with with you more than (laughs) like understand Yes. Like it's like you're beginning to see all of the synchronicities because you're looking for the synchronicities and then you're looking for certain sort of things. There's a whole there's a whole line of of danger, I think, in conspiracy synchromysticism, which what I call the James Shelby Downer uh, spiral, which is like when you're like, oh, my God, like everything is connected and they're all out to get me. You got to go through this like paranoid or you're going to become face to face with maybe a moment of paranoia because you're realizing, am I going to create a paranoia environment for myself because I really believe everyone's going to go out and get it? Or I'm going to realize like, no, it's a little bit more flexible and, and I'll be happy to go through and explain my own James Shelby downward vortex experience myself but this to me is part of the whole like the 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 purpose and the joy and the fun of being able to live life with this sort of lens okay man we might we might circle back to the your james shelby downward spiral (laughs) to make a bad pun but since we put it in the title, I'd like to get into some of your adventure. And one thing I want to maybe open with is part of what makes 
the boundary condition of life that feels so strict and inflexible yet is completely malleable based on our perception of it is time. And I wanted to throw into the mix that something that I think you've probably just went through and experienced that time has an ability to expand or contract, you know, it has this dilating capacity. And I think the function of that, as you were talking, it came to me, the function of that dilation of time might be stories. It might be that if you're going through a repetitive experience of life and there's not a lot of novelty to your story from day to day, think about how that affects your memory. You don't really know what happened last week. You don't really know what you had for dinner, et cetera, et cetera. And then compare that to your 33-day adventure where every day was different, different sites, different people, different everything. How did time feel? Did it feel, how did those 33 days feel expansive, more expansive than a month back home doing similar things day in and day out? Because I think that might be part of how you jump the fence on Kronos and his, you know, playpen that he's got us in. And I, I really like to, to point out that in Greek, there's actually two words for time, Kronos being measured time that we go by the clock, the movement of luminaries. But then curios is subjective time, spiritual time, the time that is measured by your own personal development in a sequential way. And one is fake. One, there's no such thing as Tuesday, as you like to say. But the other is the only thing that's got any reality to it after you boil away the rest of the things that are just perceptual phenomenon. And that's your own self-development. So I would like that to be maybe the lens as well when we're talking about your, you know, you talk about your adventures you've just been on that time might be related to story more than we give it credit for. Uh, I think that's a, that's a really interesting point you're bringing up. Um, one which could probably be discussed for a long time <laughs> for, for, <laughs> for a long time a long story. Um, at, and 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 i'm thinking about the order the order of time and 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 uh and we're going to go to this a little bit later um christopher nolan is a filmmaker like he began his film career playing with time in the movie memento and and how time and perception are are linked um but I want to go to your point about the two different Greek uh, uh, connotations of time um, and and being able to go and 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 have awareness of of what they are like. I mean, undoubtedly, the 33 days um, I like notebooks and I like to keep track of things. So, like, I, I wrote down, like, where I slept every night Um and then over many, many days, and I started looking back and I was like, that seems like a different lifetime ago, which may have just been a week earlier. But because so much like physical distance has occurred and so much novel experience distance has occurred, like it doesn't seem it doesn't seem um, uh, uh, that it is in alignment with the number of days in between the two events. So so time definitely felt different. I mean, anyone who's been on the road a lot um, has has felt it being very different. 
what I what I personally do is I I use the moon. You know, I use the moon as a as a marker of time through the starboard, like, you know, just kind of like ceremony astrology for the purpose of of like having some sort of groundedness in the unfolding of, of experience. So that, that, that has been kind of how I like to look at time and the experience. And then if I wanted to bring it even one step further, trying to make like a correlation between like what's going on experientially with like the different phases, like the, like as the moon is growing in light or as, as the moon is growing in darkness. And, uh, it was really cool to do the starboard session with you. Actually, I'll, I'll have more to say about that as we go on. But what was the point of the trip you took? What was the intention behind it? Were you planning to be gone ex- specifically that long? Or is that how it all shook out? Was there a goal in mind and then things around the edges? Okay, so this is why we're, we're going to take a couple step back. Because, I mean, I guess it's just like, you know, what's the big deal about some dude like telling who went on a road trip? So can can we go back to the very beginning Take us there. where this kicked off so so this gets so this goes back to the james shelby downard thing okay so this was december 2021 and i received an email to give a presentation on my susquehanna mystery information to a group of freemasons in the philadelphia area it was like written from a Freemason. He's like, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm in this lodge. I'm a 33-degree member, and I'm a fan of your work, and we do a, a quarterly meeting, me and a whole bunch of other brothers, and we want you to come and present. And I was like, huh, that's kind of funny, because if you're familiar with my work, I kind of like to cast you guys as the bad guys. But nonetheless, like, you know, you know, my, my, my interest has peaked, all sorts of different stuff. And then I came to realize that I had given a presentation maybe a year earlier on the Kobe Bryant um, helicopter crash. And I framed it up as a ritualistic sacrifice and tied it into skull and bones and, 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 and John Hines the, from the Hines 57 family and how he died in a helicopter crash over Kobe Bryant's high school, all this sort of different stuff. And I see that in the invitation to this Freemasonic to this Freemasonic presentation, like there are six, six, like, bull, like, like, like perfect synchronized, like encoded, like, oh, Mike, we're going to we're going to ritualistically sacrifice you. Like all this stuff, like it was like 57 days from like the invitation to like when the thing was going to be. And it was held like the, the presentation was on the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death, like at the location where he went to high school, all these things I talked about. And that's a big deal just for people that are fans of Mike will know this, but you kind of made a name for yourself revealing all of the weird synchronicities around Kobe Bryant's death. It's a, it's not a small point. It's a big point in your personal story, in your movie. That's like, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) That that would be a big part. Yeah, I did. That was, I was on um, the higher side chats is where I gave that presentation and that was to me like one of the research things that I think is at least the most is is one of the most um, like fun and interesting. So this happens and I'm left. I'm like I'm, I'm looking myself in the mirror and I'm like, do I really think they're going to I was forced with this question. Do I really believe that I'm going to be ritualistically sacrificed? Do I really believe that's going to happen? And part of me was like, like, 
part of me wanted it to be yes. It wanted me to be yes. I think it was a part of me that wanted an adventure. It's part of me that's like, all right, this is a reason to like drop out, you know, something like that. But then there's also part of me which is like, I don't really think that's going to happen. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that's how it works. And even if it is, I don't want to go through my life, you know, on my knees running. So I'm like, if they're going to sacrifice me, if I'm going to be ritualistically sacrificed, it will be legendary. That was it. Like that was so, so I go to the presentation. Um, I give the presentation and I made a big deal about this on my YouTube channel. Like I like broke it down to like my audience. Like, this is happening and blah, blah, blah. And I left it with like a and Mark went with you from uh, my family thinks I'm crazy. Yes. So I had like three people who came with me when the presentation happened, all this sort of stuff. Go and give the presentation just what they asked for. And then at the very end, I like I was like, all right, everybody. I'm like, um, am I in any is does anyone here uh, have any intention to cause me harm? You know, I, I start asking questions like that. and They're all drunk and laughing. Like, ah, we wouldn't tell you if we were like stuff like that. And then I go and I break down like those six points of of. I pulled up that email, which was my invitation, and I broke it down. I'm like, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. And I'm like, did any of you know this? And like right now, they're all just like, what the F is this dude talking about? And then I'm like, of course you didn't know. I'm like, because there's only one person in the universe who would be able to put this together, and it's me. And I'm like, what's happening is an initiation between me, Mike Wan, and the universe, whoever the universe may be. And you as Freemasons are the ultimate symbols of initiation. And you are my witness. Like, I was so friggin' full of myself. And like, they're all like cheered and drunk. And I take a bow and I leave the stage. Very next day, my entire friggin' personal life just implodes. Like I was, I was, I was in a relationship and I was in a relationship was with, she was like, I, I don't want this. I don't want some sort of Freemason sort of guy. Like, like, like this is too much. Like this is, I, you gotta go. Like, and we'd been in a relationship for like, we had a really like well-established foundational life. Like, you know, and like, this was like out of the blue. And then just like that, within a week, I found myself like living in this house in Baltimore. And you realize so, Mike Wan was sacrificed for that presentation, right? What do you mean? Like the Mike Wan that existed up to that point was sacrificed. And totally. the new, a new Mike Wan had to rise from the ashes. This like you literally without were killed a, without a friggin' doubt. And so this is where, like, when I talk about the nature of reality, I'm like, like, this is the sort of thing I'm talking about. I'm like, 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 what is this? How does this line up? Like, how could I go and say something like that? And literally just as what you said, like the, the life I was living, like that was gone. And that kicked off like pretty much like one year of, of like, just like, of really, really, like, I won't get into the details now. Like I lived in, in like the Baltimore and this really like, unbelievable experience like what you could never imagine what happened in baltimore and then from there i moved into this amish farm in lancaster pa and like that was another really interesting story and then uh, i moved into this farmhouse like out in another part of pennsylvania and every single place i moved was just like so rich and deep on a personal level which is like how could this be tied into like my my family line like this because it's appearing to be all this sort of randomness so all of that goes and happens. And at the end of this spring, this farmhouse where um, where I was living, 
And I'm a I'm a homebody. At the end of the day, I'm a homebody. I like being at home. If you want to go by astrology, I got a cancer rising in, in tropical. And that fits my personality. I like being at home. Like, you know, there's what like a, a conflict with a Sagittarius sun, though. Like wander. <laughs> four planets in Sagittarius. Four planets in Sagittarius and Mars in the ninth house, if you really want to go go that way. But yes, it is that conflict. And so so what what happened at this spring was like I just moved out of this farmhouse and I had mentioned I had mentioned that I wanted to go to New Mexico and see some friends of mine. Like I've been talking about this for a couple of years and it never materialized. And then that idea, like Christy just kind of Christy's a traveler. And I'm a homebody. And she's like, we're going. And I was like, ah, you know, there's part of me that really didn't want to go. There's part of me that wanted to stay in place. But we moved out of the house. We moved into uh, we're literally living in bell tents in like the river house in this uh, this communal living place, which we call the river house of the lower Susquehanna. And we like got into this car, this this Prius. And we drove, we just got in and started driving. Like we had a, like a, we had a couple key places we were going to go, but it's just like literally like, like, uh, um, an adventure in a way which I never would have experienced like, like happened. And so like, like that's what put the, the 33 days on the road. Like I, I say 33 days, we didn't plan it that way. We didn't plan say 33 days. But for me, like, I know I'm saying Freemason numbers. Like, I'm not doing it because I'm a Freemason. I'm doing it because I know this began with the friggin' Freemasons. And so it's like, this is me doing nod, nod, wink, wink, and whoever, like, you know, whoever's the, there we go. There we go. 33. And what did I have to do in order to do this? I had to let all my shit go. And when I say that, like, you know, the things that made me want to be a homebody, made the, all the things which which I defined myself as before. And so I started. Stepping which is into this- to reiterate for people, that's the nature of the 33rd hexagram of the I Ching is about letting go of what needs to be let go of. So you can get to where you need to be. <laughs> it's all about that. So we began our our trip very. um very conscientiously uh we live on the susquehanna river and the, the a lot of i've done a lot of work on the susquehanna mystery it's the oldest river on the planet all sorts of stuff like that and we picked up uh we filled three bottles of water with susquehanna river water and when we would stop at places along the way and half the places we stopped were people who I just know through the internet, yourself included. Like, you know, some have been followers of the Susquehanna Alchemy. Some have been podcast hosts or colleagues, you know, who I've done work with. But like that had been a bit, that had been some of the the foundational points of where we're going to go and stay. And we started, every time we would go to a a major river, we would pour the Susquehanna River water in there, uh, in that river, and then we would collect the river water from where we just were, and we're moving forward. We're also doing some uh, similar concept with stones as well. And this is an ancient technique. This is an ancient way which all of our ancestors, like how they would interact and weave their lives with like baseline reality. And so we're stepping into that. And so the first part of the trip, not knowing what we're going to get into, was like it was founded in that sort of ceremonial aspect. And we eventually made it all the way to um, to Los Angeles. In fact, we, we reached Los Angeles on July 4th. We went to the Santa Monica Pier 
on July 4th. And that's when things started getting weird. And then it was on the trip back when all of the synchromysticism, all of the real strange stuff, like which I think that we 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 established on a, a very like like natural level, like a, a, a like original level, like on like fresh water and rivers and stones and just being human, like nomads, right? Like what's nomad? You're not mad. You're nomad. Like being nomadic. And then it's just like uh, that that intertwining of water became like quantum entanglement with Hollywood. And and the stuff just started getting really, really interesting and weird. And the people we met with and the experiences all started lining up. And that was to me like that was the magic of what this 33 day trip was about. I was really glad to receive you guys for the starboard session and. We started talking about some of the weird things going on with the you staying at uh, Los Alamos. Maybe that would be I know that's kind of maybe a blur in your head, but you have some good notes on Instagram and the Oppenheimer movie coming out there. You know, maybe we can pull on that thread as a way to demonstrate how all these things tie together, that everything is everything. What's going on in mass media is like, honestly, the the direction that I feel like my awareness is tilting lately is that rather than thinking there's intentional encoding in every little drop and bit of symbolism that I see in movies, because I mean, I decode movies on this channel sometimes and it's a bit much what is actually in there. <laughs> you know, an example being we decoded the Avengers, the first Avengers movie. And the whole plot revolves around this hypercube called the Tesseract that has the ability to in, like change reality, to control reality. It's like an all-powerful hypercube. And mm-hmm. at the beginning of the film, the government has got a secret project researching this cube. And the name of the project is Project Pegasus. And I had just been doing research in, in other episodes about the Pegasus Square in the sky, the constellation Pegasus and that square. And, and now you go from square. two dimensions to four dimensions. And that square though, represents like the cube that is described as the geometry of the earth, biblically speaking, and the ark of Noah's ark and the ark of the ark of the covenant, the, the cube the that is the entire reality, the Saturn's death cube that everybody talks right, about right. in the, the more down downered, level downers (laughs) so my point being like there's so many things like that in these films in in, and in marvel for example i find it actually a little hard to believe that they know that and that's why they chose the project pegasus as the name for what they're working on but maybe somebody does maybe i'm not giving them enough credit my point being i think there's like a, a new system of divination that we're working out here and that is divination of the collective consciousness looking at the way that the stars reflect the way consciousness is shifting on the realm and for everybody together somehow these things that many or even most people put their eyes on or at least have some awareness of like big blockbuster movies are in some way a reflection of the collective consciousness, almost like a thermometer as well, as well established as astrology. And it's no surprise that that's the case. We call these celebrities stars. stars. 
Right. Right. Okay. So can, can I respond? You, you threw out a whole bunch of stuff and I want to yeah. respond before, before I lose it. Um, the, what I, I concur with you completely. Um, I, to me, I mean, this is my opinion. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, and I mean this in the highest degree of respect to anyone who might feel slighted by, by this, but if you're still friggin' res- if you're still like decoding like Super Bowl halftime shows, it's like it ain't 2015. It's like, like elevate the game. This is a, a real life, like whatever Hollywood is like, yeah, maybe some of the stuff is put out there, the, the, the one eye and there's that like, yeah. And like, there's probably a whole bunch of adrenochrome drinking like baby fuckers and all that sort of stuff. Like, I'm not taking that away. Maybe that's real. Maybe that's not even real. I don't know because I've never been to those parties. But regardless, there is something else that happens when you begin to utilize the the um, the richness of cinema. Like there's a richness of cinema which which is going to meet you as an individual in an immensely personal way, in the same way that astrology does. Now I'm an unastrologer. I spend half my time talking to people about astrology, like this is bullshit, this is bullshit, and this is a trickery. This is if you believe this, you're going to you're going to become a self-fulfilled prophecy because this was a bunch of Babylonian high priests who wanted to control you. And they came up with these archetypes to fuck with you. But there's a truth behind it. We're going to need to expand on that later. I'm going to put a pin in that. (laughs) All right, we'll go back to that. But the reason why astrology works is because the heavens are our unifier. Because we all get to see the same moon. We're all under the same sky. We don't all get to see the same river. We don't all get to see the same mountain, but we see the same sky. It's a unifier. Same thing's true with Hollywood. There's stars. We all get to see the same freaking films. And the same sort of magic that happens because the nature of our reality, it reflects back to us like crazy ass stuff happens. So I'm going to go back now to how this question began. You're like, we'll talk about Los Alamos. So before that, I have a history. If you go back and you look at a whole bunch of my work on YouTube, like, like me, like my life and, and Christopher Nolan films have the strangest intersection. I've done many, many videos about that. And so like they, how they showed themselves are key plot devices in his films. I happen to have, like, for example, there was a movie called interstellar. I believe it was called. It had to do with like, uh, traveling in space time and it was built around a particular watch, a Hamilton watch and a father and a daughter had the same watch and the watch was like intertwined and this is how they went through the dimensions. Well, I had that watch. It's literally the watch which I own, which was on my wrist. Uh, another example, Christopher Nolan film, Tenet. Like I watched Tenet. In the movie Tenet, like there was a big part of it was like how this car would go, what apparently would go backwards and was chasing down the highway in Norway. And what the car was, was a Saab 9.5, a very uncommon fo- car. I drove a Saab 9.5. Like, shit like that was happening over and over again. Like, I don't know why, but me and Christopher Nolan Films, like, have that sort of interaction. Okay, fast forward to this trip. We're on, like, kind of the back end of this trip. And, and it got weird or it got weird at Santa Monica Pier on the 4th of July because that is um, that is the setting of Richard Kelly, the director of Donnie Darko, his follow-up film was called Southland Tales, dealing with quantum entanglement 
and and alternative histories and alternative timelines like shit which i talk about all the time and i'm like i find myself like holy shit i'm on the i'm on the setting as this has happened i'm like how's my life gonna get intertwined with hollywood you know this is what's going on in my head and for whatever reason i go and i eat this like bubba gump like shrimp uh they have like one of those like chain restaurants it was the only place we could eat like i never in a million years want to eat there but it's the only place to eat we're hungry so we go and we eat there and like, sure enough, like, like, like Forrest Gump shows up again when we go through the, through all these places on our travels. We, when we went through Utah and we go to Colorado and now we're coming into, um, we're coming into New Mexico. And I've already been aware that, that Hollywood films are showing themselves in this very, very clear way. Like, no, I don't know exactly what, like it's showing up in this life and death sort of way, but like, I'm like just watching it. Like I'm really good at watching and uh, watching the story unfold and not necessarily jumping to a conclusion right away, but like, let me see what's going to happen. So we pull into a town. We were supposed to stay in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And when, um, when, uh, the night before we were going to arrive, like we find out like the place we're going to stay, like we're going to stay at, uh, someone's house um, only time in the entire trip, like the plans fell through the night before. It's like, listen, dude, I'm sorry. You can't stay here. Personal issues, blah, blah, blah. Uh, here's some places like good luck. So we go and we found, a, an Airbnb and it was in a town about 30 minutes South of, of Santa Fe called Madrid. And, um, you know, the, the Airbnb looked interesting. It was, uh, it was, a old, um, wagon converted into like a glamping sort of scenario just the sort of thing we're interested in we're like okay let's go there so um we go there and the first thing that happens is um i didn't realize this but when we arrived at the is the most interesting place like this 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 town madrid and getting to this one location like up on the top of this mountain we we get up there and the location is a movie ranch set and an Airbnb campsite. So you can go and rent like these like really interesting sort of wagons to sleep in. But then also uh, they film TV shows there. Like there were episodes of Breaking Bad was filmed there and like some movies were filmed there. But I'm laughing. I'm like, of course, like, you know, the whole sort of like, what is reality? And like, you know, how much of a Truman show is this? You know, all those sort of questions are happening in my mind. And um, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by by, you know, what's happening. And so I go to Wikipedia and I start reading about Madrid. And the first thing which I find out about Madrid is like it, it started out as this coal town and it has a very specific type of coal, which is called anthracite. And the reason why that's interesting is because anthracite, 98% of all anthracite, which is a really, really rare coal, 98% of all of the world's deposits are found right underneath Scranton, Pennsylvania on the Susquehanna River. So I've talked about this for years. And for whatever reason, Madrid was a town which was an anthracite coal town, like the only place in New Mexico, only place in the West where anthracite is. I'm like, all right, this is starting to bleed through. Like this means something only to me, but I'm watching that and I'm reading more about it. And they say that, that the coal, which they used in Madrid was then shipped up to a top secret location in the 1940s. And it was Los Alamos. Like literally the coal 
in Madrid was shipped to Los Alamos, which was used in the creation of the atomic bomb and the, the, the Manhattan Project. The reason why that is significant to someone such as myself is that this is the day we rolled in. We rolled in on a Friday. It was the same Friday that Christopher Nolan's highly anticipated movie about the guy who ran the Los Alamos Manhattan Project, um, uh, uh, John Oppenheimer. Is it John Oppenheimer? I can't think of what Oppenheimer's name is. Robert, yes. Robert Oppenheimer. So, so like that movie opens up the weekend we arrive there. So like, like and it's a Nolan movie. And it's uh, a Nolan know. film. This felt like this, this, this continuity. So, so what's happening is, um, what, 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 what I'm witnessing is, is, is like this feedback loop because I use Hollywood as my feedback mechanism. That doesn't mean like Hollywood was made for Mike. It means like this is where Mike's looking. Like if you look at like Hollywood, like the, it'll give you a feedback. But like other people, like they look at something else as their feedback mechanism. That is the nature of our realm. What you're looking for is going to communicate to you. And then what you think it's going to communicate to you, you're probably going to hear that. But if you can find the, the, the um, what I would call the discipline to allow, well, there are two things. So allow the discipline for it to like maybe be a little bit more um, uh, natural and it's unfolding and less like confined to what you want your preconstructed. Uh, preconceived notions to be like you'll you'll see this amazing storyline um so let me go and round up like one last thing and then i'll stop talking and allow you to reflect back to me so i mentioned the forrest gump portion so i knew that forrest gump was in play in my travels because i was on the pier on on the day of the quantum entanglement sort of thing. And I was at Forrest Gump. So I just put that in my mental at the Bubba Gump restaurant, right yeah, at the Bubba Gump. Exactly. It's named after Forrest Gump. It's from that movie. So two weeks later, that was July 4th on July 15th. Um, we were driving to go stay in a TP in Monument Valley, which is in Utah with like the really, really um, uh, um, unusual, rock carvings that are found there. We're driving along and we see that there's a sign that says Forrest Gump lookout point. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, of course, Forrest Gump. So it's been a long time since I saw Forrest Gump. And so I quickly go and find out, um, I quickly go find out what, um, what, 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 why is this, why is this here? Why is Forrest Gump in play? I was told, I was told on July 4th to look for Forrest Gump. And now I see Forrest Gump here. So in the movie Forrest Gump, he starts running like that was one of like the things that happened. And he, he runs all across the country. Right. You know, sounds familiar. He's running all across the country. And then at one and, and people start following him. They're like, oh, this guy's a guru. He knows something. So he's got all these people who are following him. And then all of a sudden he stops. He stops running. And where that where that scene took place was right there in Monument Valley. In fact, it was less than 10 miles away from where the teepee was, where we stayed that night. So all of a sudden, I know that in the movie Forrest Gump, which I've quantum entangled with on, on, the, on the Santa Monica Pier, like it, the, the, the turning point in the character Forrest Gump's, in Forrest Gump's uh, life happened right there. So I'm like, fuck. I'm having a turning point. I don't know what my turning point is going to be, but like, that's what all the indications are. Like, this is what the storyline is. So I'm watching this happen and I'm, I, I, I'm reading about this and, and I'm, I'm looking more at some of the videos of, of Forrest Gump that you could see online. And he says in that movie, 
He says in that movie um, specifically, he's like, I ran for three years, two months and 15 days. And I was or 14 days it was 14 days. And I'm like, well, I'm here on July 15th. I could just go and, you know, figure out what what date would this be? When how long has have I been running? Right. And so I, you go and you do the math. It brings me back to May 1st, 2020. Right after right after the the um, Kobe Bryant thing was released and I moved out of the house, <laughs> as you can see, it was a little bit of a tumultuous sort of time when I was living in the same house, which I eventually left from the Freemasonic thing. I moved out of that house and I lived in a church for 60 days. I documented that whole thing on on um on YouTube, but I'm like, that was a key day. Like to go and see this level of synchronization from these like random movies, which sounds like a friggin' like madman ranting, but I'm like, it is so inter intertwined. So I go and I see that happen. I go and I see all this stuff about um, Oppenheimer and I'm like, God, like what is, what, what is, what is this saying about to me? Because part of like the reflection, the reason why you want to reflection, the reason why we use divination tools like the I Ching is so that we can go and see something about ourselves or our experiences that live in our blind spot. You know, this is a way of getting a reflection back. So I'm like, okay, you know, what, what am I running from? What is this all about? What is this turning point? And then I remembered this other thing. Or I, I discovered this other part of Forrest Gump. You could see how my name is spelled on the bottom of the screen. It's spelled M-I-K-W-A-N. And my name is Mike Wan, and that's a little bit of an abbreviation of my name. It tr- I, I came to discover that, that this year that Mike Wan, spelled exactly like that, is an Algonquin word, which means feather. And the Algonquin-speaking people plays a lot into, like... Um, some of the Susquehanna research, which I've done. So I'm like, ah, like, I like that. Like, I was like, that's meaningful to me. I don't know why. There's another part in the Forrest Gump movie, which uh, another theme that shows itself throughout that movie, which is about a feather, the opening credits, the closing credits, and like one part in the middle. And for people who try to go and like, you know, look at the symbolism behind the movie, they're like, oh, the feather. And it's talking about the randomness of life and like how life carries you like like, you know, wind and a feather. So now I'm like, you never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to get. But at the same time, Forrest Gump was running with something. So I was given this choice, like looking at like I can look at this as a reflection, like, am I the feather or am I the am I the nut who's running away from all of this stuff? And. Going, going, holding these two ideas in my head, I then roll into Los Alamos, where where we got um, where we got Robert Oppenheimer so famously saying, um, "I am now." Uh, after he exploded the the bomb, you know um, that she that um, uh, who who is the uh, it wasn't Shiva who exploding, but it says, "Yeah, he quotes you know Krishna, Krishna speaking to Arjuna." Yeah, now Vishnu, I am become Vishnu, death, destroyer of worlds. It's Vishnu, but yes. Yeah. So, so oh, sorry. So we're we're coming. Krishna back. is an incarnation of Vishnu. So there we go. They're the Obviously, same guy. You're, technically. you're better. You're more versed. Uh, you're well versed in the in the topic. But I'm, I'm sharing these stories, and 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 I use these like kind of these Gonzo conspiratorial synchromistic stories, 
as mainly like, like I guess it's kind of entertaining, but mostly as a demonstration. Like, as you said, like this is a form of divination. This is a form of feedback loop of, of like how our realm works and like everything's in play. Everything's in play. One of the commenters here said that the quote is inaccurate, that the Gita in its original language would say, I am become time destroyer of worlds. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> Considering your quote in the beginning, that makes it even more important, like more significant. <laughs> so say that again to me slowly. Well, the quote that everyone says is, now I am become death destroyer of worlds. But yeah, our commenter who I put a lot of faith in his accuracy, actually, he says it should be time, not death. That's, so say that again. So I am now time. I am become time destroyer of worlds. Huh. And what was the thing which you said in the very beginning of our show about time? That there's measured time and there's subjective time and that measured time is fake. It's conceptual only. It is a construct like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, etc. But subjective time is the only thing that actually has any true reality to it because your sense of self and how that expands or contracts with your own development and your own journey and your own experiences, that has that's something that you can go that can go forward even past potentially your body's expiration point, for all we know. That there's so what does what does the quote the 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 quote mean once you you say it accurately about time as the destroyer of worlds? Like what is how how is time the destroyer of worlds, particularly based upon what you just said with the subjective time being the only true time? Oh man, just think about it. Everything about the matrix runs on Kronos time. Yes. Everything yes. about the artificial system everything about your straw man identity your fake self mm -hmm. has to have a timestamp you know you can't have a cartoon without a timestamp and that's what your digital identity your on paper uh -huh. identity it works that way like think about your bank account or debts things like that mm -hmm. if your bank account was just a bunch of numbers debits and credits with no timestamp attached to it it would be meaningless if it was if you were to say I'll pay you back someday before I'm dead versus I'm paying you back within three years, you know, or on this date, everything about the entire commerce system becomes completely invalidated without measured time. And because of that, like, you know, I think that that might actually be the, the root and the foundation of the entire expansion principle that our economic system is based on, like the infinite growth paradigm, the debt, works on is like you know when you're in that measured time reality it's always running out you're always in a deficit you're always in debt in a way counting down the seconds you know waiting in line to die that whole thing well, well and, with, with, without a doubt without a doubt and you know what else is interesting is you brought up man we feel like we need to <laughs> this might need to kick over into the second part too that like this particular topic but you mentioned Maekwon meaning feather. You know, you're the you're the rivers guy. You're the <laughs> you're the guy that is revealing the deep, 
deep importance, mystically speaking, of waterways and rivers. You're one of the people doing that and the best at it, one of the best at it. Not that it's something you can measure, but it's, you know, your work on Susquehanna River magic and computers, like computers mm-hmm. wouldn't work without timestamps. Without time date stamps. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Cycle. Remember Y2K, that, that whole emergency and all that. Well, <clears throat> You know, one of the things you've talked about in a recent, more recent video on your YouTube is the four arrows and the the directions and like re-establishing intentional meaning and use of a land to heal the land, to heal the people who are on it by, I think that had something to do with actually like a a feather traveling around (laughs) all the the corners of a, a particular space. And what's interesting about that is the feather is a crucial component to an arrow and you have this big arrow that you've talked about before, but the arrow is also phonetically E R O like arrow arrows. (laughs) Interesting too, is that that's actually a uh, philologically an anagram for the current solar sign we're in Leo, because in in language, in philology, L and R interchange between a lot of languages and dialects. So, Aero is also Leo in a way, or even oil, <laughs> the anointed, right? That's what anointed means is like it's anointed with oil. That's the savior. And one of the oldest versions of the savior archetype of the Trinity of mystery school traditions is actually just straight up called Eros. The reason for that being depiction as eros is that you have the the god and the goddess the mother father archetypes and then what is the savior well it's the spark of attraction that generates the electricity between the poles causing reproduction thus saving humanity if there was no erotic spark between mom and dad you wouldn't be here i wouldn't be here so the savior is eros and it's also the arrow that is fired from the bow of wisdom, like Sagittarius, Jupiter. That that archetype is also important that like most of the top G characters in different mythologies are archers or have this Sagittarian astrotheology to them. <laughs> That's part of it. Uh, a bow is an arc. An arc means or arche means wisdom and also head like the top. I could go on and on, but the arrow fires out of the arc, the bow. (laughs) And so, you know, this savior comes out of the head of wisdom in a way is born from it. And there's a lot, a lot of things we could decode about that or unpack about that. My audience will know that these subjects are things we've touched on a lot. So they'll probably be intrigued. My point being that like (laughs) your big arrow thing you've got, maybe we'll have you grab that or something in the second half uh you showed it to us when you were here and you're almost like shot like an arrow out of uh (laughs) where you started all the way across the country before you sort of boomerang back there's this connection to the savior archetype that i'm describing right now with rivers specifically like the nile being called krishna uh early on like that this actual river was the savior embodied in the physical reality that Bacchus is an example of the 
savior archetype or the regenerator or um, yeah, the, the savior deity, if you will, son of God deity. The word Bach means stream. <laughs> like in German is one of the languages. It means that he's a river God. There's so many versions of it. So I'm kind of going on and on and on, but I just find this interesting that in a lot of what you're describing, the symbolism of the savior of the one that, you know, causes the spark of life to continue to return for life to return after the cataclysmic end of all things so that the cycle can start over again from the beginning. Like a lot of that symbolism is actually like lurking in the corners of the stories you've been telling tonight. I find that super interesting. Um, and I, I mean, I kind of omitted I'm verbose. I like to talk and I like to tell stories. And so I have to be, I try to be a little bit, um, uh, you know, I, I pick and choose which ones I tell. And so I omitted one in the very beginning when I was talking about the purposeful, like intermingling of rivers. So that was part of what this whole thing was about. Like, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, let's go to New Mexico. And then it turned into like a whole trip. Like it was a very, very. The, this trip, um, it began in the spring with a trip. Uh, with, with the trip down to Key West, from Pennsylvania down to Key West, so the most southern part of, of the continental United States. Um, and then it went west, and then we just came back from Maine, so it went far north. Um, there's a book. There's a book by, I never remember if his name is Peter Kingsley or Peter Knightley. I forget, his, I forget which one. But it's called A Story Waiting to Pierce You, and I've talked about it a lot. Uh, it's a great book. I recommend it to a lot of people, to anyone who likes to read um but it begins by talking about this this mythological uh um uh this mythological character in um who visited greece from hyperborea or um maybe mongolia and the author basically is like no this guy wasn't mythological this is just like modern this is like modern interpreters of like the the Greek histories are saying he was mythological, but he was real. And and he goes and he makes his case for why why this guy is true, whether or not like this, 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 this character whose name is Abaris, Abaris, the Mongolian shaman. The whole story was like this guy was an arrow circulator. He he flew on an arrow and because he was he was moving in an ecstatic trance, like all of this like crazy stuff happened. Like he was able to go and travel great distances at, at phenomenal speeds and all sorts of stuff. And um, and it's it's a really interesting it's only 70 pages, this book. And there's another 70 pages of end notes, which which is it, it's highly, highly recommended. Um, but it all, the book also deals with um, the rise and fall of Western civilization and the rise and fall of 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 different um, yeah of different civilizations and there being like forces behind the scenes that we don't quite understand. I was talking about how this character Abaris, the arrow circulator, was part of that tradition, and he was he was guided by something else. Well, for a variety of reasons, that story like it like struck a chord with me. And I was because I made an arrow. I didn't realize it was an arrow. But like 10 years ago, like I, I I'm also a craftsman. I make a lot of craft. 
And one in particular, this one thing which I made like like 10 years ago or whatever, like I didn't know why I was making it. I just knew how to make it. And you saw it in person. Like, it's impressive. Like, when you see it, you're like, I don't know what that is. I don't know how you made it. But, like, there's something about it. So I made it. I carry. I had it with me for, like, years. I'd show it to people. Like, hey, look at this. It's kind of cool, right? And like, well, what do you do with it? I'm like, I don't know. I just knew how to make it. After like, reading Dylan the book, says arrows were a form of passport or an allegory for a passport. Well, there we go. It was You're a traveling Mike. <laughs> So we're traveling, Mike. So I realized it was an arrow. I made this arrow and I was like, I'm an arrow circulator. But as you said, arrows, arrow and arrows, they are a phonetic match. And I like to play in the language of the birds like all the other all the other people who like to play in the language of the birds. And so arrows, you know, I would just call it vitality. You know, it is bringing a vitality back to the arrows carrier or the arrows circulator. And so that was literally like like the underpinning of like, well, what are we doing? We're carrying the arrow with us. Everywhere we went, we brought the arrow. We did this start. We did our starboard ceremonies wherever it was appropriate, where the opportunity presented itself. We brought out the arrow. We're like, I don't know exactly what we're doing, but we are living a we're, we're living a mythic story. Like, you know, to be able to cross this line of like, I take what I'm doing very seriously, being able to take it, though, very playfully, being able to say, like, I don't I'm probably crazy being able to say I'm the most sane motherfucker who's out there. Like all of these different sort of things and being able to like embody it and then go out and do it and then go out and to tell people stories and like crazy, like really, really interesting things happen. Like like my life was touched. People who we like randomly met across, met up with, like, like the timing of things, like magic happened. And like, you know, maybe this is segue for like, we'll talk a little bit about like our interaction when we came into your place. But like, yes, the arrow, whatever an arrow is, whether it is a metaphorical passport or whether it's like, no, this dude was literally like was tapping into another layer of layer of reality that us like grounded folks don't even think is possible. I don't know. I'm open to the ideas. I just know what I experienced. But like we purposefully did an arrow journey. So you're so picking that your identification of that. Your identification that that hey this was this was in the back this was in the background on your journey I was like that was very purposeful brother. Oh man, we <laughs> what that last little snippet just opened up a whole bunch of cans of worms. I can't wait to get into. Um, you know, the thing I'll say before we move to our intermission and switch to the second hour is this Eros character of the savior this is equivalent to a jesus in the christian mysticism it's the same archetype and in the greek of the new testament the whenever jesus is referred to as lord he's actually called kurios or kurios as a word meaning lord so the word is a is a homonym for subjective time in greek and also Lord, as in the Savior. There's something there. I want to pull on that thread with you an hour or two. All right. <laughs> uh, so, Mike, we're going to take our intermission here in a sec. But would you like to let people know where they can find you or what, what you got cooking next? If anything, I feel like you're definitely uh, the, a master of improv. But, you know, what do you want to leave the the first hour people with? Uh, so... 
I'm more or less like allow my my digital footprint to 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 deconstruct. So <laughs> there's some good things about you that. You said that it's last bad. time you were here. <laughs> like it's just really happened. But the point I'm saying is like there was a point I I was not I I was no longer um, meeting or working with people individually. Well, I'm doing that again. I'm also, I'm doing it mostly out of like necessity. I've just been on the road for the last sixty days. I've been able to bring in any do re me. So. For anyone who wants to go and have a little bit of an interaction, the best way to do it, and maybe Chance, you could put this in the show notes, is just send me an email. And I'm doing two things right now. Uh, one is I'll talk to people, as I said, like on astrology. Like, like to me, I practice natural astrology, which is explaining like the the the, the literal things what are happening, de- demystifying, demystifying like like you know what all of your chart means. Not so much about interpretation, but allowing someone to integrate with the mystery of what that is, which is just like a uh, you, we, we kind of talked about time date stamp uh, in a funny way a little bit earlier in the show. But your your the your natal chart is your the 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 most real thing, whatever the hell a planet is like that's your time date stamp for whatever this your experience in this body is. And so being able to go and. And understand that from both the groundedness, but then also being able to respect the mystery. Like I do those for one-on-one sessions. So if anyone's interested in that, send me an email. We could schedule that. And that's done just like over Zoom or over the phone. Or, which is a little bit more exciting, I'll actually do what's a starboard ceremony. And this is where we get straight up into magic and, and, and chance what could maybe go and talk a little bit, of, or we'll talk a little bit about this in the second hour, which is where I'll do, I'll build your actual chart on the starboard, explaining what everything is and why and how it's aligned with like all the directions in the correct way with the, the current planetary configuration and the idea behind that is like, yes, we're always part of the same like big ball of wax where there's never a moment you're not integrated with reality, but sometimes you can become a little bit tighter reality. So this is a ceremony, a literal ceremony where I go and I take someone's chart or it could be a couple's chart. We do a lot of couple's charts as well. And we go and we do it on the board. And I either do that in person for anyone who happens to be in Pennsylvania, but most people aren't. So I do a recorded session and I send that to someone. And though it sounds very ceremonial, which it is, what I can say is very, very like strange things begin to happen on an integrated level, a highly, highly synchronized, more synchronized experience. So if anyone is interested in that, like, you know, hit me up with an email uh, and we could go through uh, what that would look like. So that would be my favorite thing for um, if anyone wants to get in touch with me. Righteous, man. And we will take a brief break. Second hour is going to continue over on Rockfin. It'll go up on Patreon. Already got a good crowd on on Rockfin hanging out there. So I dropped the link for that in the live chat. It's going to be in the episode description. Mike, we'll have a few minutes, about three and a half minutes of uh, musical intermission. So, you know, we'll be off screen. You have some (laughs) you have a little break and um, I'll meet you back here. There'll be a countdown timer on the screen. So that'll help you know where we're at. And thanks, everybody, for being here on hour one. Mike, this has been really fun. Can't wait to pull on the threads that we've established here. It's going to get weird. All right. (laughs) All right. See you guys on the other side. 